Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by Lester A. Wiltfong Jr., the boss over at Windy City Gridiron. Four losses in a row, not good on the record, but Justin Fields is looking good. How are you feeling tonight? It's weird. Like, like, you know, like you said four losses, but the last two losses, Justin Fields looks like a quarterback. So, I mean, of course I want the Bears to win each week. But if the Bears don't win a game the rest of the year and Justin Fields keeps making strides and can keep showing these 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 wow moments, I'm I'm good with it. Yeah, it's you know, four straight losses. No one wants that. There was a six-game losing streak last year. Hopefully, we're not going to get into that territory. The Bears are into a bye week now. They're going to come out of it against Baltimore. That's going to be a tough game for them yeah. to come back on. So we may be extending that losing streak. But a lot of positives for us to highlight throughout this show. This will be I think probably a pretty balanced show because there is a lot of good. There's a lot of bad. I want to kind of start off with that up top. Maybe we'll catch it during the show too, but I want to talk about one of the bad pieces and that's the, the officiating in this particular (laughs) game. And I wanted to give a bonus tweet from a friend of the other pod that I'm part of Robert Mays. Um, He had a tweet that said bears game has been over for 12 hours. He tweeted this this morning and I'm still buzzing. Uh, Sometimes you witness a performance that you'll remember for a long time. And that game from Tony Carrente is the type that you <laughs> tell your grandkids about. Just a master showman at work. Tony Carrente, the head official, took it upon himself to inject himself into this game and some of his interpretations of rules to really take points off the board for Chicago, give opportunities for Pittsburgh to put more points on the board. It really was lopsided. And it was our favorite taunting call. And then other calls that have not been a thing that I've ever seen before, like a an attempted low block yeah. uh, that he called that took points off the board. Some of the worst officiating that I've ever seen, and the Twitterverse of the NFL came behind it and was like, the NFL officiating crews owe the Chicago Bears an apology. That's how bad it looked. There were Packer fans in the WCG Twitter mentions saying, yeah, the Bears got screwed. There were Steeler fans in the WC mentions saying, yeah, the Bears got screwed. I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't just fans. It was, it was the national media. It was everyone looked at that game and those refs and, you know, people were throwing out the, the fixing, you know, that, that was people legitimately thought that maybe the fix was in. It was, it was so bad. I mean, there, there were just so many calls that were like, yeah, if the Bears, of course, had some that were just stupid. And I'm sure that's that's good. I'm sure we'll we'll talk about some of those, but you know, a lot of those calls were just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I went through today when I rewatched the game and I, I wrote down all the penalties. I may have missed a a penalty that wasn't accepted. I, I wasn't necessarily writing all those down, but I, I kind of three penalties that were called against the Bears that weren't accepted because there was a better play that happened for the Steelers, and so they declined it. But the twelve accepted penalties I went through, and there are a few of them that were just like, you know, they happen. You know, uh, false starts from your tackles on the road. That's going to happen. I'm, yeah. You know, you don't want a bunch of them, but that stuff happens. Uh, some stuff just is part of the product of playing on the line. You know, legal hands in the face. Eh, you know, that stuff happens, right? But then you get down to it, and there were multiple calls that were just terrible calls that allowed the Steelers to extend drives, that allowed the Steelers to put points on the board, that took points off the board for the Bears. It, it was really lopsided and it just did not even itself out at any point. And that was really frustrating to see because it wasn't necessarily mistakes by the, they made their own mistakes, but there, but there were times where they were just getting calls that didn't make any sense. The taunting, the, um, the, the pass interference by Jalen Johnson, 
do, do not think that was a pass interference. There was and then in, again the, the the how about the shift early in, in the first quarter? There was a, they they lined up illegally and shifted to illegal. Sh- I'm like that's a penalty. That's I mean a, I'm, I'm sure it is, but I'm like <laughs> I'm listening to that. I'm like how is that a penalty if you if you if you line up one way? I mean like you know that could just be a mistake from the guy and then, oh you know he he has to move right. Okay, it's now it's legal, but since you started off illegal, it's okay. I mean that was I've never one. seen I mean, that. I've call. never heard yet. Yeah, never heard it in my life. That that's bizarre. I would think it would just be where you snap it, but because yeah. you have to come to a a, a full rest spot, yes. right? Like you have to yep. come to a there. Everybody has to settle for a moment before you snap the ball. And so if if the formation isn't illegal at that point, then why are you calling a penalty? Yeah. And then they got the attempt, the James Daniels attempting to go low on <laughs> uh, and missed him. He whiffed, and he was inside of the yeah. tight end box. And so he wasn't even in the area that they they are allowed to call that in. And he whiffed. Like, this is not like an attempted murder thing. Like, this is like, he he whiffed. He missed, it's not yeah. a real block. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> they brutal. have to figure this out. Yeah. Because yeah. from an NFL perspective, yeah, okay, the Bears took the brunt of this one, and, and that's unfortunate. They have to figure this out. Because they are, they are deteriorating the product. And with all of the... I was thinking, you know, talking about this today with somebody with all of the they got their cut of money of the gambling money. And so now gambling is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like it or not, gambling is a is a reality of the NFL. You took a touchdown away from Justin Fields. There are plenty of people that bet on Justin Fields passing touchdowns. And yeah. you took that away for a terrible call. You you know, there is a lot of money riding on the money line or the the, the spread, whatever. The Bears could have won that game. That a lot of people that bet that line are pretty upset this morning, and and they feel like they got cheated, and they're wondering whether or not somebody was shaving points. And that's the kind of thing that will absolutely tank because the people that are betting want to watch the games, and if they feel like they're not getting a fair shake, they're not going to watch the games. That reduces your numbers. That reduces your money. So they need to really clean this up because they need to start calling things fair. They need to stop being the center of attention during games. Uh, they need to just remove themselves uh, as much as possible from these games. You know, I think one thing they have to do is they have to al- allow penalties to be something that coaches can challenge or, or even bring it to the point where the XFL where they have the sky judge, where the sky judge comes in and say, yeah, uh, that first off the block was missed and it was inside the tackle box. That's a legal play. There has to be some checks and balances here because – the refs are going to make mistakes. It happens. But when it's as bad as it was in that game last night, it's like, what are you doing? There has to be someone there that says, yeah, that that's fine. Oh, that, that, that pass interference was fine. You know, cause you know, these things happen quick. You know, you, these referees are expected to make a, a split second decision. And like, like I said, they're going to make mistakes. So let's have the sky judge in there and the sky judge can come in and say, yeah, you know, that, that was a fine play. This was this, this was a bad play. And then with the taunting, you know, like the spirit of the rule is you, you're trying to, to de-escalate potential fights. You're trying to stop a guy from getting in another guy's face and do something. The thing with 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 Marsh, you know, the, the ref said after the game he ran to the sideline and then there was a gesture made. He, he, he took a couple steps and he looked in their direction. Right. And, and the backstory is with, with Marsh is the Steelers cut him. So I'm sure he was just looking at the sideline like, hey, here I am making a sack against you guys. But but he said nothing. He just kind of looked, and, and that was the flag. And then, of course, the whole hip check thing is is, is a whole other incident yeah, where, you know. And then it's funny because the league came out today. I, I actually I, I I put it in the article that I wrote last night about it. There was a source saying that there was no hip check. 
there was a source saying that, uh, you know, that there, there's nothing there with, you know, with, with the referee doing it, but you watch the tape and you're like, you know, he clearly throws his butt out. He clearly leaves the flag up in the air. I forget who it was, but there was a tweet that said he, 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 he threw the flag, like he was uh, leaving his arm up after hitting a game-winning three-pointer. Yeah, because that's what yeah. he did. He, he kept it up there, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm proud of this one. I, this flag." And it's like, "What are you? What's I just?" It's like he drew the foul. Yeah, for those of you yeah. that didn't see this, he, he the the head referee Tony Carrenti, as Marsh is going back to the sidelines, he's reaching for the flag, and 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 then he backs his way into the path that Marsh was taking, so that he would make contact with him, and then he threw the flag, and he just kind of held his hand up there. Like, you know, Michael Jordan at the end of the finals. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, and and, and then that's why I brought on the Mays, uh, Robert Mays tweet was, it's a master showman, right? Like, like he made that about him. And the last thing I want to do when I tune into a football game, any football game, is know what the head referee's name is. I do not care. (laughs) I, I would rather not remember it by the end of the day. And I knew Tony Carrenti's name by the end of that game. Uh, because he he put himself front and center, so they need to figure that out. Yeah, and sure. hopefully, hopefully they have Bears multiple times have had been on the wrong side of this, and and I think it's frustrating for fans. You know, again, Aaron Rodgers can, you know, uh, say I effing own you, and that's fine. And there's other players throughout the you know T.J. Watt blowing kisses to the Bears sideline, right? Like all these things that happen, that doesn't get flagged, but the Bears get flagged. The Bears don't get the flag for Justin Fields getting uh, hit late. Oh. You know, I mean, just there's just plenty of examples that people could go back to. And it just doesn't feel like fair treatment, and that's frustrating as a fan. Exactly. I mean, I understand the point of it where he's a rookie, but you know, some of those were so so blatant that you're like, what? It just makes no sense. So let's get into some categories. We always start off every episode with a trench tribute. And so I believe it's my turn to start off this week. So um, I wanted to make note of the run defense. So the heart of the run defense is Eddie Goldman. So let's let's start with there. Um, haven't talked a ton about him this year. He's been in and out a little bit. Uh, him and Hicks really bottled up Najee Harris and I, I thought had a really impressive performance. I think Najee averaged less than three yards a carry or certainly less than four yards a carry. And they've got a pretty good run game and, and they really count on that for, for being the centerpiece of their offense. And, and so for him and and Hicks to be able to hold that point of attack, um, they, I mean, they struggled to, to pick up short yardage uh, against that attack uh, against that bears run defense. And so Eddie Goldman is the heart of that. And so I wanted to point him out today and, and give a hat tip. It's always funny when we're on the same wavelength because that's my guy too. Okay. I, th- I thought Eddie Goldman just had a nice game. I went back and watched the game. Usually I focus more on the offense because I like watching the offensive line when I go back and have, have my, my, my extra watch. But I actually took – I was off work today. I took a day off because of the late game last night. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to bother trying to work. So I actually had a chance to watch the entire game. And and you mentioned Hicks too. That's a good another good one because Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman both are really stout up, up front you know they, they were they were really uh, doing their job as far as the gap control you know they weren't getting pushed off their spot very often uh, goldman you mentioned him uh, he had four tackles one tackle for loss uh, there was one one bad play where he made where he actually uh, uh over penetrated um but that's you know those things happen at times and he just you know he was right there he was in the backfield quite a bit he, he was affecting the game in, in the pass game as well and the run game so that's my guy too eddie goldman awesome I like being on the same page there's nothing wrong with that oh all right, so let's move on to the 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 Twitter, which was an interesting place to be the last uh, couple of days with 
this this uh, this result here against the Steelers. So I, I brought one on from uh, Christian Williams. He's at C Williams NFL, and his his tweet is over the last two weeks. Justin Field ranks seventh in EPA plus CPOE composite. 10th in EPA per play, uh, it goes on. First in PFF offensive grade, second in PFF passing grade, first among quarterbacks in rushing grade, first in big-time throws, first in average depth of target, fourth in grade under pressure. That's the last two games. Both losses, but in the last two games, Justin Fields is starting to rise to the top. He is figuring it out, and the, the my favorite of those is big time throws and average depth of target. He is pushing the ball down the field and he is accurate. You know, just having a guy that that is willing to do that that opens up so much other stuff for the for the offense. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. You know, for me, um, I'm also in in the same vein as far as talking with Justin Fields. So when the game ended, I was watching the uh, the Bears app because that's where they usually have the press conference come on. So I was watching it, and they also have the uh, the Bears post game live on there. So so Anthony Heron and Jim Miller were on there talking about you know Justin Fields, and according to Anthony Heron, you know he has some sources around the league, and he says the book on Justin Fields is, you know, they want to keep him in the pocket and make him beat zone coverage. And, you know, that apparently Justin Fields is able to to, to rise above that because the Steelers did a lot of zone coverage. So I I, I had a tweet about that. And, and then Dave Weinbenner at Breaking David said, I'd say the book should be burned now because the kid, <laughs> Justin Fields, he handled that just fine. And, and that's true. I mean, if Justin Fields is able to beat zone, he's able to beat man, you know, we're watching a quarterback develop in front of our eyes. And I think he's doing it despite the coaching around him because I'm still not sold on what's happening in the offense. You know, Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, whoever's doing the play calling, whatever's happening for the game planning, you know, he's rising above what's happening around him. And uh, we're watching him become a guy, become the man, become the franchise. And it's uh, it's exciting. Yeah. And, and you bring up a good point because a quarterback needs to be able to beat whatever the defense tries to throw at him. Right. You have, you know, that, that was always the the thing I thought was interesting with, with previous quarterbacks. We'll just say that yeah. where they say, well, just do what he does. Well, why aren't they doing what he does? Well, just do what he does. Well, and it's like, okay, well, what is that? And then how easy is that going to be for a lot of like decent to good defense to be able to take that away? And if you are a defense that like can't play zone, and so that's not available to you. Well, that's fine. Like, you you know, you can beat bad defenses, but if you're a good defense and you can mix things up or whatever, that that you can take a lot of quarterbacks away because they're one dimensional. They, they're only successful if they can, you know, if you're playing man against them because then they can run. Right. Yeah. The reason why you want to play zone against a running quarterback is so you don't turn your back to them. You watch and, them. Yeah. Right. And, and so 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 there's that. Well, if he can beat zone and, and he can beat man. Then yeah, then the defenses are going to have to work a lot harder, and and they're going to know that they're going to give a lot of plays up to to a guy like that. So so the more that he learns, and the better that he gets at recognizing coverages and, and knowing where to go, this is the progression that we want. This is exactly yeah. what we want to see. It's exciting because this is a real guy. The the real quarterbacks beat whatever is thrown at them. You mentioned previous quarterbacks, and you know you know I won't mention his name either. But we, we you know it's uh, but the Lions, the Lions always played man to man coverage, so the previous quarterback would would shred it, and that's one reason why he would do so good because he was good against man coverage. He struggled against zone coverage. Here with Justin Fields, the Steelers ran mostly zone that game, but then on the the big the, the big uh, deep pass down the sideline to Allen Robinson, 
Justin Fields in his press conference said, you know, I, I caught him in man. Once I saw their man to man against a Rob, I knew I was going that way. So, so not, so he saw the zone. He saw the man, he beat both. Justin Fields is, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting as a bears fan, but we have to remember it's only a few games, you know, let's, it, let's, let's keep it going. And growth is not linear. We have to remember yeah. that. Like there's going to be times where, you know, there's going to be a step back game. There's going to be something, somebody's going to see something on film. They're going to exploit it. Those things happen. Right. But you know, this is a guy that we've heard is someone who doesn't make the same mistake twice. He learns from what he sees. And so that that's what you like to see is that he's just putting that, those pieces together is playing faster. He's seeing it quicker. Those are, those are, positive things to keep putting in the notebook and eventually next year this guy's going to be you know hopefully even better and he's going to be you know full off season and put this all together so it's really exciting he's got a whole half of the year left though there's plenty to look forward to let's move on to the stats so caught up in a numbers game my stat of the week 93 okay 93 is the number of tackles for Roquan Smith through nine games. He leads the league in that stat. Now, I know tackles are kind of a weird stat, whatever, but he's on pace for 176. That's short of the team record. The team record is 189 by Dante Jones. At least that's the record that I have. Tackles haven't necessarily been kept as long as some of the other stats, but by the way, 189 from Dante Jones, who's a very random linebacker that only Jack Silverstein loves. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it is it is the most random team record that, that exists. Just to put this into some context, Erlacher's best season, 153 tackles. He did that in 2002, which was one of his first team all-pro seasons. From a statistical perspective, Roquan right now, is a first-team All-Pro through the, for the, through the first half of the season. He has three sacks. He's got that pick six. He's got six tackles for loss. I believe that he has, for the first half of the year, he has put on tape a first-team All-Pro season. We've talked about it before. And, and when you're going to make those All-Pro teams, you have to flash. And he's flashed. And he's done it here against, against the Steelers on Monday Night Football. He had a phenomenal game. I think he had 12 tackles. He had the sack, like you said. So here's a guy that is that is showing a national audience and showing the, the national voters for, who vote for the All-Pro team, you know, that he is the guy that deserves to be in, in that conversation for first-team All-Pro. Yep, absolutely. What do you have? For me, my number is uh, 414, and that is the, uh, the total yards for the Bears in this last game. And that's actually the most yards they've had in a game since week three of last year. That was the... Nick Foles off the bench game against the Falcons where the Bears came back and won that game. Um, but but even with that that good game uh, last night, the 414 yards, the Bears offense is still ranked 31st with just 280.7 per game. Yeah, one drop of hot water and a cold bath does not make a, yeah. a, a hot bath, right? Like you have to, you have to put, you have to stack those. You have to put more consistency, of those in. yeah, right, consistency. right. So hopefully they'll be able to do that in the second half. But yeah, that's good. Uh, it's good to see some progress. And obviously, the I think the point here is that this was against one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. So this was the degree of difficulty here was high. They had just basically shut down the Cleveland Browns the week before who then came out on Sunday and exploded for like 40 some points or whatever. Like, so, you know, the Steelers defense is good. Like there's no real, well, no, they're good that they are not a very good offense, but they're, they're a really good defense. And so this, this was an impressive performance for the bears to start to show something. And I, and I think that it's based on Justin Fields 
moving the ball down the field, t- you know, being willing to to throw deep, to throw the intermediate routes, and to be accurate on those. And and the more that that happens, the more this is going to start to look like a real offense and a legitimately <laughs> a present day audi- uh, offense, which which seems weird to to yeah. be part of. I just think the more he pushes downfield, hopefully the the less likely Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor will to have have all those hooks and curls in, in their game plan each week, because that just that just kills an offense. It's just stagnant. You know, there's no movement. The guy catches it, and he's tackled. It's it's very rare, you know, to, to have any any yak on those on those type of plays. You know, but the guy's down the seam. If you catch him in the right spot, you know, now there's a great opportunity to, to keep going for a touchdown. You know, I still want to see more slants, more crossers. You know, hopefully with Justin Fields' ability to to, to get on the boot and, and make some plays that way too that'll help help open things up and you know we're starting to see it you know maybe this is just part of the bears plan maybe they're just taking these little baby steps with him and they're trying to incorporate the brain new stuff to the offense on a really slow pace here i hope that's what this is and i hope as as the year goes on we'll see more and more and more open up with justin fields because you know like, like we said through two games these last two games it's been fun i it <laughs> yeah i i think that the idea of like let's start okay so they had the like third and five three yard curl route to robinson early in the game right where short of the sticks short of the sticks and he just tackles short of the sticks like you know the the idea of like well let's let's get him like let's work the quick game you know and then we'll like no he does the long stuff well like start deeper and then work in the the quick game stuff to help you move the sticks when you need it but like play off of what he does well first and then build in the other stuff that you think is important for the offense. But they, they took the opposite approach of like, well, here's the baby steps and then we'll add this other stuff. Like, no, 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 he's good at this stuff. Let him do this stuff yeah. first and then add in that quick game stuff to help you move the sticks. But anyway, all right, um, let's, let's leave that there. We've got the three bears on the other side of the break. So, um, and I, and I have more Justin Fields talk. So let's, let's just leave it for the other side of the show. All right, let's we're back. So everybody's favorite game, the three bears, hot bowl of porridge. I'm going to keep talking about Justin Fields because I want to. So Justin Fields, 17 of 29, 291 yards, one touchdown, one interception, probably should have been, well, definitely should have been another touchdown. That interception was kind of crazy, just like defensive lineman jumping up and, and it's sticking. Great play by Hayward, yeah. Yeah, great play by a great player and just kind of stuck in his chest and, you know, whatever. It's kind of weird. Uh, 45 rushing yards on eight attempts. And again, this was against the Steelers, a high degree of difficulty game. Not that I don't expect Justin Fields to do well, but this hasn't happened yet. So this, to me, hopefully this is like, oh, this is just going to be a run-of-the-mill game in the future. But right now, this is a really good game. And he had, he was just on fire. He had six, you know, big-time throws that just pushed the ball down the field, that put him into tight windows. And he just he, the stage is not too big for this guy, right? No. Like it seems like he really thrives on that, which is great to see. Matt Nagy said it in the press conference that you know he was smiling on the sideline because he was so excited to go into the game, you know, to have a chance to bring the Bears back. I mean, he lives for those moments, and it's uh like we keep talking about it. it's it's so fun to see that the Bears have a quarterback like this that that we hope and we think is gonna be that guy moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Who do you have? Uh for me, I'm gonna go tight end. Cole Komet. There we go. He had, a, he, he had a career high 87 yards, just six catches. You know, he's his blocking is is 
he still has to work on his blocking, but I mean, he's, he's improved from, from last year. I mean, you can definitely see the improvement in his game overall. And did you realize he's actually the third youngest player on the bears roster? Uh, yeah, because I saw you tweet it. You tweet, okay. So uh, the, it's, it's <laughs> actually uh, uh, Larry Borm and Jalen Johnson are two, two guys younger. Um, and a lot of fans, they look at Komet and, you know, they, he was a second round draft pick and then they see, uh, a guy like Winfield who they could have had. And they're like, Oh my God, you know, this, you know, they expect Cole Komet to be a, a stud out of the gate. And, you know, at this point, you know, this is, this is his second year in the team. You know, he, his improving, you know, it may not be as much improvement as some fans want, but, but, but one of our buddies uh, from the Chicago audible, uh, Nick Moreno actually tweeted out a stat that made me look at it and, and, think about Komet even more is, you know, through nine games, Cole Komet is the exact same number of receptions, 28 targets, 44 that he had in 16 full games as a rookie. Mm. And, and he's already exceeded his previous yardage total, uh, 284 compared to 243 last year. So he's a young emerging player that his best football is in front of him. And he may never be Gronk. He's, he's never going to be Kelsey. That's just not who he is. But we saw him, you know, uh, fly down the scene. He has enough speed to do that. He's athletic enough. He's strong enough. He's 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 a big six foot six dude. He's a big target, and I think him and Justin Fields have a bit of a of, of a of a of a connection now. And I'm excited to see this grow throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I had him as my honorable mention just in case uh, he wasn't uh, brought up by you. But I I think that you know at the draft we talked to EJ and I on Bears over Bears. We talked a lot about guys that we liked and positions that we wanted to, the the Bears to focus on. And Winfield was a guy that we really liked. We all and wanted he, Winfield. He was on the board, and it was it, that's a that's a player that you can move around the defense. I like that that agent of chaos, as I was calling him. I really like that. I really like that uh, what that could be on the defense. And it wasn't surprising that he came in and he played well, and he's going to play well for a long time. Like he's a good player, and that would have been a lot of fun to cheer for him in Chicago. And so, yes, you can play that game where you say. I wish I, I would have rather had that guy. It didn't happen. So yeah. fine. Like we can talk about it because that's the stuff that we talk about on this, this, the, you know, these types of shows and, and, you know, amongst friends that are nerdy enough to remember that stuff. But the Bears took Komet. And my approach with Komet last year was I don't care. I don't, I'm not going to judge him as a rookie. Rookie tight ends, I have no interest in judging. We had, you know, mutual friends that do really good work on Bears stuff. That were really killing Cole Komet on his lack of production as a rookie. And I just kept saying, like, stop. Like, there's no point of caring what he looks like as a rookie. These guys take time. Like, this is not a position that gets immediate results as a rookie. And so you see this growth into his second year. That's great. And he, like you say, he's still a really young player. Let's see what he looks like at the end of next year. Right, like, and then we can really say what he is. And you know what? If he's a really good player that you can count on, then that's great. He doesn't have to be a Hall of Famer. It, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with just having good players. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and so that works both ways, though. Like, you can't defend Cole Komet to the point where you say he's great and everything. You know, he's no. not yet. Like, just let it come to him. Let's see where he goes. Like, it's okay to take your time and get more information in before you make a full evaluation of a guy it's like once once they get into training camp that draft status is out the window shouldn't and, matter and, and that's how that's how like fans it'll, it'll, it'll never be there with fans fans will always know he's a second round pick you know he's not performing to where other second round picks around his draft status should be 
you know, but then you take a look at a guy like Sam Musfer, who is a UDFA, and you know, we're not going to say, well, he's he's okay because he's a UDFA. He's doing as good as he should for that draft status. No, we expect Sam Musfer to be better than what he is because we expect he's he's a pro now. You know, that's his job. You know, he, he, yes, he's he's a he's a hard worker. He got to this point, and he's he's a, another ascending player. You know, but we can't look at a guy like him and say, well, he was he was a, a, an undrafted guy, so that's fine. And a commit, he's a, he was a guy that was drafted at, at what uh, forty two overall, forty four overall. He should be better. You know, for what they are, Cole Komet's a solid Y. Sam Mustfer is you know struggling at center uh, to some point. So you know, once they're in camp, who cares about draft status? Now you got to perform. And if right now he's on pace for fifty catches, uh, five hundred yards as a second year tight end, who's a decent blocker i'll take that yeah now you get judged against your peers right yes, like if yes. you're a starter now you get judged against your peers and then and that's that's the conversation now you, you can go that thirty thousand foot level you can go once removed and you can judge a guy like ryan pace for how did you invest your resources and yeah, what did you cap. get out of them yeah. but that's a different conversation that's yes. not about the player that's about the the personnel and, and the management of the resources so uh let's flip it around cold bowl of porridge this week um, I, you could go a couple different ways, but I have to call out Jakeem Grant. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he had a fumble. Um, he, he couldn't get anything going on the questionable returns that he did take. I mean, the best return he had was the fumble. Um, <laughs> and he, this guy, like, I don't, what's, what are the rules that they're giving this guy? Because he just takes them all out. And I don't, I don't know that that's good, especially if you're going against a, a disciplined special teams unit, like the Steelers who just they're good at special teams like the, the, they covered incredibly well in this game it, not a, not good decisions by Jakeem Grant and and I think we need to kind of pump the brakes on him a little bit you know he has that ability I mean I think he has six return touchdowns in his career you know but there's a time and a place and it's at some point you know maybe the Bears like you said they should scale that back a little bit you know it's it's like like I was really shocked with the the, the one in the fourth quarter I thought he was gonna bring, bring that one out for sure and he let it bounce behind him that was the and, one that I thought he'd do yeah that was what I thought he'd bring out because it wasn't very deep Right. But, you know, and then I'm like, well, the Bears need a spark. So I mean, it was, that was a smart play because they wanted to make sure they had, I think, with 25 seconds on the clock. So he wanted to, you know, give his quarterback as much time as possible. But, right. you know, I mean, if you have that kind of ability as a coaching staff, I'm sure they're telling them, hey, take as many out as possible. But there has to be some knowledge of, of the game situation. You know, yeah. it's not always the smart play to bring it out. So I, I agree with you. That's a uh, – I was close to having him as, as my guy too. Who would you have? I had uh Kendall Vildor. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, the, you know the 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 crew on, on on the broadcast they mentioned, you know, I think he was 148 passer rating against. I think he gave up four touchdowns on the year. He gave up another one against the game against the uh, Steelers. You know, he's just he's overmatched and it's it's tough because he's out there doing his best and I think he's not supposed to be a, a outside corner. I think I think he may be better at nickel. But right now, he's just their best option. I mean, unless the Bears want to go with a guy like Artie Burns, who has the pedigree of a, a first-round pick, but he's never lived up to that. To, to that, And, you know, I think at this point, you just have to go with Vilder because he's your best option, but he's not performing. You know, the opposing quarterbacks target him all the time. Um, I thought Duke Shelley looked, has looked decent the last couple of weeks, but with if you have one guy you know you can always pick on, smart quarterbacks will pick on him, and that's what Ben Roethlisberger did. 
Yeah, and that wasn't exactly a very good matchup for for Kendall Vildor. That six touchdown. foot six Firemuth against a five ten Vildor if he's five ten. And terrible. and what he's got a he's given up seventy pounds yeah. right in in that matchup and you know the strength and and they called a pass interference on Vildor in that play. So even if that would have been a drop, they would have had the ball at the yeah. one. It's just insult to injury when you you. You interfere, but yet the guy still catches it. He just—it was a complete and total mismatch. But he's had a lot of mismatches, and and yes, he's he's overmatched. It'd be interesting to see if he could hang it at nickel. But again, the Bears cut Kyle Fuller, and I get it. Kyle Fuller is apparently not playing well in Denver, and let's not go there. But you know, they they undermanned. They they did this to themselves. They did not protect themselves and bring in enough corners, uh, legitimate starting corners, caliber corners. So. Just right. The just right bear this week. For me, I wanted to highlight David Montgomery. He had 80 yards from scrimmage on 15 touches. He ran some Wildcat. And, like, I'm not the biggest fan of Wildcat, but he He looks good running it. Pretty good running it. And I was like, okay. And then he had that one run where it looked like, oh, it looks like it's going to be a game of three. And he just dragged, like, the entire city of Pittsburgh, you know, for a first down. I was like, Whoa, Dave Montgomery is ready to get back. So good to have him back. He looked good. He looked fresh. And he's just a powerful runner. I love the contact balance stuff. And and I'm I'm happy to have him back and look pretty good doing it. You know, the only thing I want to say about Montgomery is that in the first half, anyway, it seemed like they were doing most of the Montgomery runs out of shotgun. And then he brought in Khalil Herbert for a little bit, and they had Khalil Herbert with Justin Fields under center. So I think it's one of those things where it kind of tips your hand and and I know with Herbert, he's more of an outside zone guy, where as far as Montgomery's more inside zone. But I just think you have to be, as a coaching staff, you have to be careful because you don't want to get that tendency. And it, to me, right. I mean, I, I'm just a fan watching the game. And to me, it's what it seemed like, you know, it was, oh, it's 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 with Herbert the under center. And I think Justin Fields, I think he's he probably can thrive a little bit under center because that's, you know, that opens up the play action more, the yeah. bootlegs more. And then, of course, we're talking bootleg. We have to talk about that terrible – a bootleg where, where, you know, TJ Watt was unblocked. And, you know, it's just one of those plays where, you know, I'll just real quick, I'm going to talk about it on sack watch, but on those bootlegs, you don't block that guy normally, unless you have a guy coming from the backside, a tight end or, or coming over there, like on, on a split zone concept for a running play. But the reason why those boots don't work against good teams that are disciplined is that backside defensive end doesn't crash. Right. The whole point of it is when you make the play action, you want that backside defensive end, the backside edge guy to crash down, which gives the quarterback the edge. TJ Watt wasn't having any of that. He just he's too fast, too athletic, too smart. He came up the field. He had contained. Once he saw the fake, he went right to the quarterback and it was a dead play. Yes. And they gifted him one of three of TJ Watt's sacks on the game. So he came in with eight and a half and he left with eleven and a half and uh, even though I have an over 12 and a half sack bet on TJ Watt this year, I did not want to see him get three of them against the bears, but, uh, yeah, that one was a gift. And, and like you say, he's a disciplined player. I was, I don't remember what game I was watching, but they exact same play and the, uh, defensive lineman crashed in and the quarterback just, just waltzed, uh, on, on the boot, because once that happens, you're beat, you're done. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's end it with the fields. Oh, I got go my just right still. Don't forget my just. Oh, right that. Here. Oh, I'm sorry. The, I'm the, sorry. The, See, the I got perfect, so, ex- I got so excited to talk about. I know Justin Fields. Yeah. Talk about Justin Fields again. Sorry. Go so, ahead. So Justin Fields is not my just right. I'm going to go Larry Borum, a right tackle rookie. 
um, pro football focus, they didn't have a really good grade on him, but, but I went through and actually, I did grade his play. Um, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, his, his, his pass reps were pretty good when he, when he was matched up against Watt one-on-one, I thought he did much better than I expected. Uh, much like last week, the Bears did did chip and help a little bit with him over there. But I had him down for 62 plays, uh, plus 53, minus 9, 85.5%. It's a solid B uh, from him. Uh, in the run game, he was okay. You know, nothing, nothing, nothing really flashy. I know pro football focus, they used to always grade things on like uh, – like like style points, and and with Borum's game on Monday Night Football, there were no style points. He just was was very plain, very boring, just doing his job. And you know, it's something we talked about a little bit on the pre-show uh, with 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 uh, the, the producer extraordinaire Robert Schmitz. We talk about how Larry Borum, I think, in the run game right now, he's just thinking a little too much because you can kind of see it where it's like sometimes he'll 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 miss his block or he'll come off his guy a little too quick. And I think right now it's just it's not second nature to him. Whereas as a pass blocker, it's more passive. It's more, you know, waiting to see what happens and he's able to react better. But overall, Larry, Larry Borum is having a good game and this is two good games in a row against two pretty good defenses. So maybe the Bears got a guy here for the long term at right tackle. Yeah, with run blocking, you know, it's it's functional strength, it's technique, and it's knowing where you're going in the plays and then that feel, you know, which, which just takes time, right? And so you know, he's still going to be working on his technique. He's definitely going to be working on that functional strength in the off season. And that field part is just going to come with more reps and, and knowledge of the playbook is going to come with more work. And all those things are going to help with more reps, another off season. So if he's showing that he can hang like that, he's not out of place. He's not pig Simmons, right? <laughs> like he looks like he can, he can play. Then that's all you want to see as a rookie because the, He's going to have, he's now a professional. He's going to have, you know, the six month, eight month off season to build that functional strength, to understand the concept concepts more. He's going to get more game reps. Yes. Like that, that's this, this he's where you want to see him. He's not going to be an all pro in his, in his first year, but he, you know, you, you, you see enough of him to feel confident that yes, like this is a guy that we can count on um, going into the future. So let's see if he can stack more games together. Let's see if he can finish out the year with another, eight starts and see if he can continue to show progress and, and show that he can hang. That would be great. That would be a great result for a fourth round pick. I am very curious to see where they end up doing with him once Tevin Jenkins comes back. And if you guys missed it, Tevin Jenkins was seen doing some work at practice at house hall on the Hill. He was doing some stuff uh, pregame against the, uh, in Pittsburgh. So he's moving around. I mean, he's getting close. And at some point, you know, I think the bears are going to activate him. Uh, they will open a three week window up. I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but you know, we should see Tevin Jenkins at some point playing for the Bears in 2021. That'll be fascinating to see what they do. Yeah. Will they decide to stick him on a side? Yeah. Like, do, do they say like, okay, like I want you on the left side and slide like Cody Whitehair to center because he has not had a very good year at guard and maybe you can see if you can shuffle things around. Do you want to just keep the five that you have and say, it's a red shirt year. We want you dressed and getting ready and being there, you know, in case there's an injury you know, to, to a guy like Peters or something like that. But otherwise, I don't know. Like, you, you know, shuffling offensive lines in the middle of the year because you get a rookie back is is a weird thing. I know you yeah. want to see him, but where are you going to put him? Um, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. For sure. You know, right now, I'm not sure what you're going to do with that. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bears play it. All right, so now we'll go to Fields Report. Sorry, I got too excited. Back <laughs> Justin Fields. We had spent like 10 minutes not talking about Justin Fields, and we had to get back to it. So biggest 
takeaway for me was just the comfort that he mm-hmm. that he is building, and and that's really great to see. Slow start, but I think it's a slow start from the coaching staff. Like I don't understand what the game plan was going in. It seems like they had to relearn lessons of what this guy does well. And so it'll be interesting to see if they apply that in the future weeks. They've got the bye week. They've got enough film to kind of go back and maybe do some self-scouting and say, you know what? He actually does this under center play action game, deep stuff a lot better than he does some of this other stuff. Maybe we put more of that in the game plan up front. Um, But I think just overall takeaway for me was I'm seeing a lot of the stuff that I want to see. I just wish I wasn't seeing it from a negative game script. You know, last week against the Niners, I thought he was very decisive, and I wanted to see if that would carry over, and it did. I mean, he was very decisive with the ball in his hands. He ran when he had to run. Uh, there were times when he scrambled, but he had his eyes upfield. That the the touchdown to Mooney was one where he took he, he broke the pocket, and I thought, oh, he's going to run again. But he had his eyes up, and he made a great throw to the back of the end zone for the touchdown to Mooney. So he's showing us everything. He's showing us the, the, the decisiveness. He's showing us accuracy. He's showing, he's showing us stuff deep. You know, he's showing the, 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 the speed on the runs. You know, it's, it's, it's weird because this whole show is, you know, a bear's loss. We're talking about a bear's loss here, but Justin Fields is just, you know, he's flashing, he's flashing for us as fans. And it's exciting. That touchdown pass. It's a, he, he breaks left out of these, a right-handed quarterback. He breaks left. And he's able to still keep his his eyes downfield, make that throw. That, that's that's a higher degree of difficulty. If he's rolling right, it's easier for the quarterback to get out because that's that's with your dominant hand. It's going with you, you know your natural body flow. He has to kind of reset himself. And it was just a it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. So to, to watch the whole thing was beautiful because it's a beautiful throw. How he recenters himself, gets the ball off. It's a nice, pretty spiral and then mooney has a great catch and gets two feet in exactly and and secures the it was it's a beautiful play it's you know we're stacking some of these really great highlight plays that are going to look really impressive at the end of the year when we put them all together in the justin fields highlight team nice i love it i'll have to get uh uh robert schmitz on that because it's uh the video the the run pass opinion will be the justin fields uh breakdown yeah that'll be great uh well Speaking of Robert and all of the great staff at Windy City Gridiron, the podcast network, make sure you're checking out other shows throughout the weeks. Uh, we're on a bye week. This is the last that you'll hear for us for a couple of weeks because we're going to take next week off. Bears and Beers is off this week as well. We'll be back next week to preview the Ravens game. Um, Bears banter with Bill Zimmerman and, of course, Robert Schmitz has multiple shows going on in addition to the good work that he does producing this one. And, of course, all of the great writing that happens on the site. Make sure you're checking that out. We've posted these on YouTube. If you're not watching this right now, go there, subscribe, hit like and bells and things like that. That helps us out. Um, anything else that I missed? Not the, you know, the bears run up by, but you know, the site and the channel are going to be jumping the, the next couple of weeks to get us, uh, to get us through the buy and, and get ready for the Ravens in two weeks. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks guys for joining us. Uh, another bears loss, but a lot of silver lining in this particular one. So stick with us for the second half of the year. I think we're going to learn a lot about what this team's going to look like and a lot about Justin Fields. And until then bear down. Hey.